0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are breaking down the week 11 main slate of college football at DFS. Talking about Saturday, November 11th, we've got ourselves a 12-game slate on DraftKings that we are going to break down here on today's episode. We are going to take a look at the games that you're going to want to target for your lineups and there's some good ones this week and we're also going to talk about the top plays at quarterback running back and wide receiver now college basketball season has started so we've done college basketball episodes the last two days so uh, we are getting back to college football today there will be more college basketball content coming though so if you watched the college basketball content yesterday and liked it and are here for college football welcome hope hope you enjoy this one as well Um, and then if you normally watch all the college football shows I highly encourage you to try out college basketball. Like college football, there is still an edge in college basketball DFS. If you are willing to put in the time and put in the research, you can find guys that are mispriced, that are prime for big roles, that are um, you know kind of just give you the best plays and leverage against the field. Um, and the first two nights in college basketball DFS, I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Um, and then also. Some of the quicker episodes that we do when I don't have time to, you know, break out the full setup and get everything recorded are going to be audio only. So make sure you subscribe to the audio feed on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever else you listen to podcasts because some of those college basketball episodes, as well as the recent NFL and golf episodes, have been audio only. So, um, yeah, whenever I don't have time to break out the setup because, you know, life is crazy with a two-month-old baby, um, you know, that's when I have to, you know, kind of go audio only for these episodes. But uh, I'm trying to make sure that I devote time to get these full weekly previews for college football out to y'all. So anyway, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll be notified when all golf, football, college football, college basketball content drops. Um, You'll get those notifications. You'll be able to watch or listen to them. Let's go ahead and break down this week 11 main slate. All right. So starting off, I do think DraftKings did a pretty good job with... Game selection this week. It's a 12-game slate, so it's not like super massive. Um, and I think they got some pretty good games on there. Um, there's a few like kind of disappointing ones that are not on there. Like I would have loved to play Virginia Tech Boston College. Um, but you know, at the same time, there's also like no duds on this slate. Like there's no like Iowa Wisconsin game. Or I don't know who Iowa plays this week, but keep Iowa off the DFS main slate. Um no no offense to all my Iowa people, but they just they don't score a lot of points, and that kind of makes it hard in DFS. So when we're looking at the game's target this week, there are a few blowouts. Um, and so remember, when we talk about a blowout, we're talking about multiple possession game. Um, one team implied over 30 points. So Clemson is projected to beat Georgia Tech by a score of about 35 to 21. One that was kind of surprising to me was Arizona over Colorado. Arizona is projected to beat Colorado uh, by a total of 33 to 22 about that much um colorado you know all that hype they got at the start of the season um they're just not really built for pac-12 conference play yet they're they're really undersized on the line on both sides of the ball their defense has really struggled arizona is definitely gonna be a team that you can play some guys in in your lineup this week because i definitely think they're going to get to that number of 33. the question is whether colorado is going to be able to get to that number of 33. another one is going to be um, fsu florida state projected to beat miami 32-18. to Uh, Miami's really been struggling lately, so that that doesn't really come as a shocker to me. Florida State, there's a few injuries that you're going to want to monitor, which um, we are going to talk about later. But the biggest blowout of the day is projected to be Tulane over Tulsa. Tulane is one of the top teams in the American Athletic. Tulsa is one of the bottom teams in the American Athletic. And that one has a 22 and a half point spread. Tulane projected to win 38 to 15. That is the highest team total of the day for the Tulane Green Wave. Um, and Tulsa is just not good. Um, You know, I'm a Charlotte 49ers alumnus, so I watched that game on ESPN Plus last week when Tulsa played Charlotte. And um, Charlotte is not a very good offensive team. Charlotte's a great defensive team, though. Biff Pogi is going to be a good hire for that school. Um, But Tulsa's just not good. Like, Charlotte's not very good, and Charlotte beat them in overtime, and Charlotte looked like the better team for three quarters of that game. So um, I I definitely expect Tulane to roll in that. Now, there are a few projected shootouts. Um, Remember when we say shootout, we're looking for a game that is a total over 50 and um, a single digit or one possession um, point spread. So the first one is going to be Washington over Utah, which is projected to be Washington by a score of 31 to 22. Um, Utah's defense is really stout. And Washington's offense is really good. So this one's going to be kind of um, one of those, like an unstoppable force meets an immovable object thing where something's got to give. Either the Oklahoma State defense is going to give up points or the Washington offense is going to get stopped. Another really juicy shootout, though, is going to be Tennessee projected to beat Missouri. Um, that one's projected to have a score of 30 to 28. Um, both teams get into 28 points, so both teams projected to score four touchdowns. That one's going to be one that you can definitely look at in DFS. And then Cal and Washington State actually has the same um, exact point spread in, in total last time I checked, unless that has changed in the last 12 hours. Um, And then there's another one, the second highest point total on the slate is actually the first game of the slate, Texas Tech at Kansas. Um, Neither of these teams are great at defense. That one's projected to be 32 to 29 in favor of the Jayhawks. Um, So that one is definitely one that you can look at as well. But the highest, point total on the slate. And probably the best game to target for DFS is going to be Oklahoma State versus UCF. That one's projected to be 33 to 31 in favor of Oklahoma State. Um, 64 and a half point total. It's the highest on the slate. And with these two teams, they're pretty concentrated. So you kind of know where the offense is going to end up going, um, which is definitely helpful in DFS. All right, so let's go ahead and take a look at the DraftKings board and take a look at the quarterback position. So Michael Penix Jr. is at the top of the board at the quarterback position, but this is an interesting week at quarterback. So DraftKings kind of redid their pricing from what they did last week. Last week, we saw a lot of quarterbacks in the 8K range and it allowed people to be very versatile, very flexible with with their lineups, especially added to the fact that on the main slate, um, the JMU receivers were clearly mispriced. So it was really easy to put together a lineup last week with two good quarterbacks and and some budget wide receivers. DraftKings priced quarterbacks up this week. There are five quarterbacks priced above $9,000 and there are um, nine quarterbacks priced above 8,000. So you're gonna have to make a decision this week If you want to play two of these expensive guys, because we're going to talk about there's some great running back plays this week. And so if you want to get to those high priced running backs, how are you going to do that? If you are playing one or two of these expensive quarterbacks, they definitely wanted to make you think a little bit more this week. And they wanted to bust down on the chalk this week. And um, I kind of like it, but I kind of don't because it's definitely going to be harder to construct these lineups. So Michael Penix Jr. is the top quarterback on the board, though. Last week was a letdown, um, and it was because of, not because of his effectiveness, not because of Um, the game environment, but because of he wasn't getting the touchdowns. Dylan Johnson, the running back, ran for four touchdowns. And so in in that kind of situation where the running back ends up with all the touchdowns, that's not going to be good for the quarterback. And and it really decreased Penix's volume as well because he only got to 30 attempts, which is the second lowest on the season. Um, And he didn't get his 300-yard bonus. He only got 256. So um, that is why Penix was down. I'm willing to chalk that up to just kind of unluckiness. And I think that he can... Come back to do this against Utah because I don't think Washington's gonna be able to run the ball in Utah. Utah is twelfth in the nation in yards per rush attempt defensively. So Washington, if they want to win this game, is gonna to have to throw. And with that implied thirty-one point total, we're looking at three to four touchdowns for Penix this week. Uh, and so I, I'm definitely wanting to go back to him. Now, now's as good a good time as ever to kind of talk about like the anatomy of a game stack. So like, if you played the night slate in college football DFS last week, the game that featured the most points was Washington USC, right? but the game where all the lineups at the top game stacked was LSU-Alabama because what you ended up with was in the Washington-USC game, it was not Michael Penix that was scoring all the touchdowns for Washington, and USC spread the ball around so many different guys at the wide receiver position that none of them really went off, whereas you look at the LSU-Alabama game, and Jaden Daniels was pretty much exclusively throwing to Malik neighbors. So if you had a Daniels neighbor stack, that hit. And if you had Jalen Milrow on the other side, Jalen Milrow scored all of Alabama's touchdowns with his legs. So if you just had Daniels and Milrow, then your lineup was going to be really good. And then if you had neighbors with it, then it was going to be really, really good. And if you even went with the galaxy brain level play of playing Washington's running back, that was how the top lineups ended up being constructed last week. So Um, basically the moral of the story is this, if you're looking to game stack or, or team stack, make sure that it's a quarterback where, um, or let me rephrase. So if you're going to game stack and you go with two quarterbacks, also do a game stack where you go like quarterback, running back, or like. Um, you know, another game's quarterback, quarterback, because you, you could just end up sometimes where the game ends up scoring a lot of points, but it's not the quarterbacks that end up getting home and hitting all the value in DFS. So um, I, I thought that last Saturday night was a great example of how some games end up being more stackable than others, because in that LSU Bama game, the quarterbacks were the ones doing all the scoring. So um, next up on the board for this Saturday, though, is going to be Jordan Travis. So Jordan Travis um, got a $500 price jump for no apparent reason. Um, he's going up against better competition than he did last week. And last week, he only got to 25.9 fantasy points, which was not even three times value. Pretty much, we want three times value out of every position if we want to have a successful day in college football DFS. And he didn't get that last week, and he still went up in price. Um, Miami's defense isn't great, but it's not terrible either. Only two quarterbacks have scored 20 or more fantasy points against them, which are Drake May and Connor Weigman of Texas A&M. So, I don't know what to make of this one. I think he's a little overpriced. I think he's in play. I think he's really easy to stack with one of his wide receivers. More on that later. But I don't really like the fact that he got a random $500 price jump. Next up is going to be Shadur Sanders. And he's been kind of rough lately. Like he's been really hit or miss. He has been under 18 fantasy points in four of his last six games, but the other two games were over 40 fantasy points. So you're looking at a really big boom or bust option. The volume is going to be there for Shadour. He's attempted at least 33 passes in every game, but you're looking at a situation where the games where he hits value are the games where he throws for a lot of touchdowns because Colorado scored a lot of points. So you're gonna need three plus touchdowns out of him to hit value. And they're only projected 22 points. So what you're basically saying if you play Shadour is, I think he's going to throw for three-plus touchdowns, and I think that Colorado is going to keep this game close and competitive by scoring a lot of points. So if I'm playing Shadour, I'm probably playing some Arizona guys on the other side as well, because if Colorado's scoring a lot, it probably means Arizona's scoring a lot as well. J.J. McCarthy is a pure fade for me this week because of the price and because of the matchup uh penn state's really good at at defense i don't think they're a great offensive team but they are great at defense um and he's priced up this high for no apparent reason like he only has one game over three times value for his current salary Uh, and so i'm just gonna pass on him at cost i'll be back on jj mccarthy later now now will be a great time to go ahead and talk about the, the Michigan sign-stealing scandal. So if, if you don't want my thoughts on this, just go ahead and skip ahead about two minutes. But college football is is crazy. So like when I was at Charlotte, I worked in the film department, right? So I filmed all the games and all the practices. I did, I did breakdowns. Um, I did the scout team play cards. Um, and it was just assumed that everybody was like looking at hand signals and looking at signs. So like when we were at Charlotte, we had four different people signaling and we had a manager that held up a board that had four random pictures on it. That didn't mean anything. They just gave the other team something to look at. So, um, it's assumed that everybody is looking at signs. What's not assumed is that people have a system like Connor stallions had, where he's going to games and recording signals and and taking notes and, and figuring all that out. That is not assumed, but every college team has the resources available that if they really didn't want their signs to get stolen, they could figure out a system where their signs don't get stolen. So, um, I don't really like feel too sorry for them. However, what Michigan was doing was clearly illegal and immoral. Um, and I'm curious to see what the punishment is going to be. But like all these college teams that like say like that's unfair or like all that stuff, like dude, like there's plenty of resources that you have to not get your signs stolen. Um, and then the the Connor Stallions on the Central Michigan sideline thing I thought was really interesting because. Um, Basically, if you're Central Michigan and there's a photograph of this dude on your sideline, if that's a dude who works in your building, It should not take you more than 24 hours to identify who that is. Like I was just a film guy, but if there was a a photo of me on Charlotte's sideline, it would not have taken long for one of the coaches to be like, oh yeah, that's Mike, he works in film. Or even if they didn't know my name, oh yeah, I know him, he works in film. Like If this is a staffer in official gear, it should not take you a long time to identify him, and it's a bad look for Central Michigan that this guy was on their sideline, because it really does appear as if, since Central Michigan's not identifying who it was, it does appear as if it's connor stallions and to me that's as bad a look for central michigan as it is for uh the Wolverines. so um anyway that's just my thoughts on the sign stealing scandal um i think teams are definitely going to take extra measures now to not get their signs stolen and i'm curious to see what the ncaa's punishment is going to be i think it's going to come down on just hardball i think it would be very unfair to take these michigan players out of a bowl game or out of a playoff game when, when they didn't really have anything to do with it so um Anyway, back to DFS. So let's go ahead and talk about Jalen Milrow. So Jalen Milrow had an absolute ceiling game last week against LSU. Look, LSU is a bad defense, but Jalen Milrow made them look bad with his legs. 155 yards, four rushing touchdowns, um, and it's his second game above four times value for this price tag, with the first being against Middle Tennessee. And in that game as well, he also had multiple rushing touchdowns. So Jalen Milrow's ceiling games come when he has multiple rushing touchdowns. And Kentucky's a pretty stout defense, so I don't necessarily know if he's going to be able to recreate his performance from last week this week, but he's definitely got some upside because of his ability with his legs. And I think you can play him unstacked with no wide receivers because he's shown that when he has ceiling weeks, it's because he's doing it with his legs. Haynes King is a guy that I like this week. He's got a lot of upside. I think people are going to see the Clemson next to his name um, for the matchup and just not play him, but I don't think that needs to be the case. Haynes King's got over 32 fantasy points in four of his last five games. Georgia Tech has implied 21 points in this game, but that generally hasn't inhibited Haynes King's ability to rack up fantasy points. Twice this season, Georgia Tech has scored 23 points, and Haynes King has gotten to 33 fantasy points. Um, So I'm not overly concerned about the low team total. Haynes King can do it with his arm and with his legs. Um, And I think this is a game where if Georgia Tech's behind, they're going to be throwing, they're going to be putting the ball in his hands. So I actually really don't mind the play of Haynes King this week at 8,800. The ultimate boomer bust play this week is going to be Cam Ward. So he has got four games this season over 35 fantasy points, but he's also got three games this season in single digit fantasy points. He has not been very good in conference play either. Um, Cameron Ward has been directly correlated with Washington State's ability to score points. When Washington State scores, He does well. When when they don't score, he doesn't. His three single-digit games saw Washington State held to 17 points or less. The good news is against Cal, they are implied 28 points. Um, So I definitely think this could be a big week for Cam Ward, but he's not a guy I would look at in cash games or double-ups or head-to-heads just because I don't see any kind of safety in playing Cam Ward. Speaking of safety, though, you got Michael Pratt, who's a dual threat quarterback um, on a team that is projected 38 points. Um, he can do it with his legs and with his air or and with his arm. He doesn't have a whole lot of passing volume, but he does have four rushing touchdowns on the season. He's probably the quarterback on the slate with the highest floor that's not like super duper expensive. I also like Brady Cook against Tennessee this week. Missouri's offense has been like deceptively good. Brady Cook hasn't been under 17 fantasy points in a game all season, and his ceiling games have been multiple touchdown efforts and games against bad defenses, and I don't think the Tennessee defense is all that great. They're definitely not as good as Georgia, South Carolina, or Kentucky, the three teams that Brady Cook has just played, and Brady Cook has a very clear stacking partner more on that later, so I actually really don't mind Brady Cook this week against Tennessee. Now the 6K and the 7K ranges have some guys that are going to be a part of some very lucrative game stacks, right? You've got John Rice Plumley, you've got Jason Bean, you've got Baron Morton, and then you've got Alan Bowman you know, in probably two of the best game environments of the week, you've got those four quarterbacks sitting there, you know, not priced above $7,500 out of the four of them. Plumlee probably individually has the most value to me this week. Um, he does give you rushing upside. He's back fully healthy. Again, he had 13 rushing attempts last week. Um, and he hasn't really had a ceiling game in a while, but I, I could definitely see it happening against Oklahoma State, a team that plays at a fast tempo. There's going to be a lot of plays in this game, so there's going to be a lot of opportunity for John Rice Plumley to rack up fantasy points. On the other side of that game, you got Alan Bowman as well. To me, Alan Bowman is a leverage play because everybody is going to play Oklahoma State's running back. So if Oklahoma State's running back, more on him in a second, does not have a big week, then Alan Bowman probably is going to have a big week. So I think he would be a very sneaky GPP type of play. Um, to gain leverage. Bryson Barnes is another quarterback that I'm decently interested in for Utah. Um, He is, I don't think he's very good but I do think that he's in a very good situation. Utah's running back room is is not in great shape right now, and Washington's defense can be scored on. Um, They've given up 33 real points in three of their last four games and 24 points in every conference game except Arizona State. So if Utah gets the 24 points, there's a good chance Bryson Barnes is accounting for two or three touchdowns in this one. For Arizona, a team taking on one of the worst defenses on the slate, Noah Fifita. Started over Jaden Delora last week, um, and had twenty six point four fantasy points against UCLA. Look, if Fafita is going to continue to be the starter, he needs to be in some DFS lineups. He's only six thousand dollars, and Colorado's defense is bad. I think he is going to probably be the chalky low value quarterback this week with that matchup and with that price tag. Now, I also do think there is one pure punt play on here for Tulsa. Last week against Charlotte, they benched Braylon Braxton, and Cardell Williams got hurt. And they went to a guy named Kirk Francis, who's only $4,500 on DraftKings. Now, I watched this game. He did not look good, but he's only $4,500, so he only needs about 15 fantasy points to have a successful day. And this team's going to be trailing. They're not going to be able to run the ball. So there's definitely worse punt plays in the history of punt plays than Kirk Francis. Just thought I would get it out there that there is an option for a cheap quarterback. Now, if Cardell Williams ends up playing, he would be the guy, but Cardell Williams, I, I don't think he's going to end up playing based off the injury that I saw on my screen last week, if I had to guess. All right, that does it for the quarterback position. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's talk about the running backs. All right. So before we break down the running backs, I do want to mention if you do want more information from me, there are a few places you can find me. You can follow me on X at Mike's Money Picks. Um, I tweet out the DFS rundown for every college football slate. If there is injury news that changes my opinion, I try to get it out there. I'm also a guy with a two-month-old baby. So um, you know, I don't always get everything out there, but you can hit me up on Twitter via DM, mention, whatever, and and I'm more than happy to respond. And and, you you can ask my opinion on anything on there. I'm also in the Fantasy Corner Discord link is in the description on YouTube and on the audio feed. Um, There's a lot of smart people in there that play a lot of DFS for a lot of different sports. College football is one of the ones that we have the most discussion on. Um, NBA, there's a lot of smart people in there that have helped me get better at NBA DFS. And then um, college basketball has also really been popping in there the last few days for the start of college basketball season. Um, So if you wanna get on that discussion, Talk about some plays, talk about strategy. Link is in the description as well. Um, And then also, I do write a full article for every college football, college basketball, NFL, and golf slate. Um, But basically, someone once told me, don't write for free. So they are available on my Patreon for $3 a month, where for every slate, including the midweek slates for college football, which can really be helpful, um, I break down... Um, My core plays, I break down um, basically my lineup strategy and how I'm attacking the slate, um, and basically just have a full write-up for all of them. So those articles are available on the Patreon if you are interested in reading those. And then also, if you are interested in trying anything new this football season, head on over to my site, signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. We are partnered with SignUp Expert, and what they do is they give you the best offers and promo codes for any DFS, player prop, or sportsbook site for new users. So if you're looking to try anything new, just on over there, see what's available, see what you like. It's synced to your location. So it'll only show you what's available in your state or province. Um, And just, if you want to try anything new, you're going to get the best offer and promo code from there. And it also shows me some support by using my links as well. All right. So let's go ahead and break down the backs now. So Blake Coram is the top running back on the board. And I'm not going to lie. I don't think he should be the top running back on the board. So he's been decent so far this season. Like he's been just kind of average. um, But I really don't like I don't know I don't really have much interest in playing and Penn State's a good rushing defense and um, you know we really haven't seen Michigan get pushed all season they haven't played a game that is within um, 25 points all season so 24 points excuse me um, so basically this team has not been pushed and we don't know what their offense is going to look like when they get pushed But this is a game that I don't think is going to turn into a shootout I think it's going to turn into a slugfest So I don't really see blake quorum giving you a big-time fantasy performance this week I would rather go down to ollie gordon and I think everybody else is going to go down to ollie gordon I think he's going to be very highly owned. He's quite frankly a misprice at 7900 dollars. like I I thought this guy was gonna come in at like 85 to to 9,000 this week, if I'm being honest. Um, He has four straight games over 30 fantasy points, and the UCF rush defense is a supreme matchup for Ali Gordon. They rank 122nd in the nation in rush yards per attempt, they give up 5.2 yards per carry. And this is a guy that doesn't need any more help running the football. And he's gonna get the football a lot and he's gonna just have opportunity to just run rough shot over this UCF defense. If you're doubting, like, wait a minute, Michael, have any running backs done well against UCF? Both Devin Neal and CJ Donaldson both put up 20 fantasy points against this defense and neither of them are as good as Ollie Gordon. I think Ollie Gordon is a really sneaky dark horse Heisman bet right now because there's no quarterback that has really taken a hold of it. So Ollie Gordon just... Stock going to the moon, put him in all your lineups this week. Just understand he's going to be very popular. So, like, you're not going to be the only one playing Ollie Gordon. Ray Davis for Kentucky, I think, is like a guy that is going to get fed the football. Like, he has a lot of attempts and a lot of targets in the passing game on the season, but. It's not a great matchup against Alabama. And we saw against Mississippi State, they scored 21 points and he or 24 points, excuse me, and he got the 9.6 fantasy points. So this is a guy that I just don't see him having a ceiling game against Alabama. Even though he's going to get fed, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be automatically filled with success. On a slate that didn't have Ollie Gordon, Taj Brooks would be one of the top running back plays in the nation. But unfortunately, this slate has Ollie Gordon. So I think what's going to happen is Taj Brooks is going to be a little under-owned unless you want to like go big time on running back and pay up for both of these guys. Um, but Taj Brooks has been really solid. He has 31 carries in each of the Red Raiders' last two games. This is not like the old school Air Raid Texas Tech team. They're actually giving the ball to a running back, which is shocking. But what has ended up happening is Taj Brooks has at least 20 fantasy points in his last six games. And I think he is a pretty safe option and with everybody going up to Ali Gordon, I don't think a lot of people are going to play him. So I think he's a really interesting leverage spot as well. Jaden Ott and Devin Neal both intrigue me a little bit. They're both workhorses backs in a matchup where they're favored against um, teams that aren't great on defense and have high totals. So Jaden Ott and Devin Neal, both guys to consider. Again, I think they're also in a range where everybody's going to be playing Ali Gordon. So not a whole lot of people are going to be playing the two of them. Trey Benson is a guy that I do feel compelled to mention because he is a home run hitter. Um, he breaks off a lot of long runs and that's how he gets his value is by breaking off those long touchdowns. Um, but Lawrence Feely nailed it, um, is going to be questionable for this game. So if Toa Feely ends up missing, um, then Trey Benson is going to be the workhorse back. And that gives me a lot more interest in Trey Benson if he's not going to be splitting carries against Miami. The one thing I will say about Miami is that they're pretty good on the offensive and defensive lines. So if Trey Benson is in a committee with Toa Feely, I don't necessarily think this is the chance for him to have an upside game unless he just breaks off one long run. Jace McClellan is worth mentioning just because um, I thought he got a little bit unlucky last week when it comes to touchdowns with Jalen Milrow running for four of them and him only getting one. And so he still ended up with 17.5 fantasy points in that game. Um, And he very easily could have had two, three, four touchdowns if it had just been him running the ball, not McClellan. So I'm not uh, Milrow, excuse me. So I definitely think that uh, McClellan is due for a little bit of touchdown regression. Not the best matchup against Kentucky, but if you're not playing Milrow, you can probably play McClellan a little bit. Mark Fletcher is worth mentioning, but... He's not in play for me. So he's been great the last two weeks for Miami. You know, 19.2, 13.6 fantasy points in the last two games. He's really been handed the keys to the backfield in those two games. But I'm not interested this week. I still think it's going to be a little bit of a committee. They're getting the rest of their backs back healthy, including A.J. Allen, who is kind of the lead dog in the middle of the season. So I don't think that Fletcher is going to continue his workhorse role. And so for that reason, he is a fade for me this week at $6,400. Now, we do have to try to find value at running back if we want to pay up at quarterback. The first obvious one is Phil Maffa. If Will Shipley does not play, Phil Maffa is going to be the most popular running back on the slate. However, it looks like Will Shipley is trending towards playing, so maybe nix that just a little bit. Now, Makai Hughes of Tulane is a guy that I like a lot this week. He's had 20 carries in each of his last four games. Tulane is the highest projected team total on the slate. He is a super safe option. He should be able to get you his 100-yard bonus, um, and I just think he's... Probably the running back value play that is like the safest and the highest floor. Jalen Wright has kind of taken a hold of the Tennessee backfield. Um, you know, 100 yards rushing in three of his last four games, and the one that wasn't was against Alabama. So you're looking at a guy that every time he's gone up against a not five star field defense, he's been pretty good. Um, and I definitely wouldn't mind going to him at only $5,400. I do think that's a very affordable price tag for what he's done lately. For Arizona, both Michael Wiley and Jonah Coleman are going to see carries. Um, and they're both in play for me this week. We have teams, we've seen teams run wild against Colorado this season. Um, it's just a question of which of them is going to actually get the carries. So like we've seen Wiley have big games, um, but they I don't know. They haven't happened lately, um, whereas Coleman has kind of been you know, the more consistent carry option lately. So maybe my early lean would be towards Coleman, but they're definitely both going to split carries. If you're playing a lot of lineups, I think you ought to put both of them um, in separate lineups, not together. Um, but I definitely think they're both in play this week. Now, two more to talk about, and they're kind of guys that could get boosted due to injury. Jalen Glover is back for Utah. They were using the safety Sione Vaki at running back, but that did not happen in Week 10 against Arizona State because Glover was back. And Jaquindon Jackson got hurt in that game. He is very questionable to play this Saturday. If Jaquindon Jackson is out, Jalen Glover at only $4,200 to be the head of the Utah backfield for a team that loves to run the football. That's a very, very lucrative position to be in. And then at $4,000 even, you've got Jordan Newbin of uh, Minnesota, who has combined for 59 carries in his last two games. Now, they've been because Darius Taylor has missed them. Um, so if Darius Taylor misses again, then Jordan Newbin is going to be in play again. And going to one of those two cheap running backs is going to allow you to kind of play or pay up for an expensive back like Ali Gordon or Taj Brooks. So I definitely want to get the injury news on those two. So that way I know if they can get into my lineups this week. All right, that does it for the running back spot. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then transition on over to wide receivers. All right, so looking at the wide receiver position now, I got to be honest, this is not my favorite slate to pay up at the wide receiver position. I just think there's so many options at running back that are very solid payups. And with the quarterbacks being priced up how they are, I kind of think wide receiver is where you have to make your stands this week and not pay up. But let's go ahead and talk about all the options anyway. So Romo Dunes and Jalen Polk are both great. Like, um, They're easy stacking partners with Michael Penix Jr. I think you have to pick one of them this week, and if I had to pick, I would pick Romo Dunes. But if you're playing one of these guys, especially paired with Michael Penix, it's going to greatly inhibit your ability to get to the top quarterbacks and top um, running backs for the rest of your lineup. So I'm probably not going to be playing very much of them. Um, I would really only play them if I'm stacking with Penix Jr. also. Now, Jalen McMillan, I don't think he plays but if he does, he's at a point now where where his price tag, he's a clear misprice on DraftKings. So if he does end up playing, um, like he is in play, but I just I don't know, I don't really see it happening. There's no real, um, there's no real indication that he could be playing. So if McMillan's out. You're going to have Giles Jackson operating as the third wide receiver, um, and then Jeremy Menard is a guy that's going to get used also. Um, so both those guys would probably be cheap stacking partners, Michael Pennix, but they're not even that cheap because they're priced up to $4,900 and $4,500. So I'm not really interested in this a whole lot unless you're just going to go with like this Michael Penix Jr. mega stack where you get two of his wide receivers in it. For Utah, the other side of this matchup, um, they don't really throw to wide receivers a whole lot. So Devon Veli is the guy that I would be interested in. He's the only one you can really bank on. Um, and then they've had a lot of injuries at the tight end position this week or this season. Landon King is going to be like the new fill in tight end. He had four for 43 and a touchdown last time against Arizona State. So he might be worth rolling the dice at 3,600, especially if you are making a Utah Washington game stack. Now, looking down the board from here, Luther Burden third is the safest wide receiver on the board. Every game he has finished healthy, he has scored at least 20 fantasy points in, which is just a wild stat. Um, The only two games he fell short of that are games he left early due to injury. Um, Now, he leads the entire slate in target share. Like, this guy gets targeted a lot. Um, And so he's a guy that you're going to want to get in your lineups If you're stacking with Brady Cook, it's the easiest click to stack um, the entire slate, in my opinion, if he does end up missing time, um, then Theo Weiss obviously gets a boost, but the other guys that would get boosts in playing time would be Mookie Cooper at $4,900 and then Makai Miller at $3,100. Those would be the two guys, or I'm sorry, Makai, not Makai Miller. Is it Makai Miller? Yeah. Makai Miller, um, is another guy that would get a boost. Um, if you, um, were end up to, um, be missing, um, Luther Burden, the third from this game, I'd, I, I messed up on my notes, y'all. I had him down as Makai Murphy, not Makai Miller. But it is Makai Miller, is his name. He's at thirty-one hundred dollars. He would be the guy to get a playing time boost if Burden is out. Now, Colorado is an interesting team to target wide receivers for. Um, because they really have changed up how they've used that position in recent weeks. So basically at the start of the season, you just had all these random guys popping off for big games in the Colorado receiving core, right? And all along, Xavier Weaver was like the consistent option. He continues to be the consistent option. He's gonna be the guy with the highest floor and probably the most obvious stacking partner if you're stacking with Shooter Sanders. But Travis Hunter has really been effective lately. Um, Over 23 fantasy points in two of his last three games, he would be another guy that you could consider stacking with Shadour Sanders but after that I really, don't have a whole lot of interest in this Colorado receiving core. Jimmy Horn Jr. is still like out there on the field all the time, but he hasn't had a big game in a long time. Hasn't been over 16 fantasy points in four straight games. Um, And then Javon Antonio is the other guy that's like out there and still playing, but he hasn't really done a whole lot in the last two games either. So I I just don't really know what to make of this Colorado receiving core. If you're looking for a safe option, it's probably Xavier Weaver, but if you're stacking with Shudeor Sanders, you could definitely try to mix and match these guys now on the arizona side they got two guys that I'm interested in. It's their top two guys, Jacob Cowing and Ted Aeroa McMillan. Look, take your pick with those two. They're about even. They're about even in price. Um, Cowing gets more targets and more catches, but at lesser um, of an average depth of target, whereas McMillan is more of a deep shot guy, but he still gets targeted quite a bit. McMillan is in the role that Dorian Singer had last season. You also have, if you're looking for a cheap value, their third receiver, Montana Lamonius Craig. It's a revenge game for him, taking on Colorado, He transferred from Colorado after the spring game last year. So like there was a lot of drama going on with transfers out of Colorado. It'd definitely be um, something that Arizona might say, hey, let's get this guy a touchdown against his former team. So um, not totally out of play for me. There is Montana Limonius Craig. Now, FSU is interesting. To me, The receivers read like a flow chart. If all of them are active, Keon Coleman is the one that I would want to play. He, he's the one that's been the most productive if all their receivers are active. If Johnny Wilson is out and Keon Coleman plays, Keon Coleman is a very obvious play. He's been outstanding this season when he played and Johnny Wilson did not. If Keon Coleman ends up missing and Johnny Wilson ends up playing, then you play Johnny Wilson because it means he's going to get a boost in targets with Keon Coleman out. If neither of them play, the guy to play is Ja'Kai Douglas, who's only $4,000. He had six catches, 115 yards against Pitt last year. And I don't know if you guys watched that game, but he had a play where he had a fumble strip from him at the one yard line. So it could very easily have been six for 116 and a touchdown looking at 26.5 fantasy points as opposed to 20.5 fantasy points. So Definitely a guy that I would be interested in only if Coleman and Wilson are out. If you get news early on that game, on those two wide receivers, Jokai Douglas becomes a supreme value play at only $4,000. Now Tulane is a team that... Um They're going to score a lot of points, but I'm only interested in one receiver, and it's Lawrence Keyes. Everybody else after Keyes has been just kind of rotating around him and not necessarily being a full time player, not necessarily seeing a consistent target share. But Keyes is a guy who catches deep passes. uh, And if he catches a deep one here against Tulsa, then he's going to instantly pay off value. um, And that's really the only Tillane receiver that I'm interested in, which is weird to say of a team that's implied 38 points. I think I would rather target the quarterback Pratt or the ground game with Makai Hughes now there's a few clear wide receiver ones in the 5k range that are all in play for me. You've got Javon Baker of UCF, you've got Squirrel White of Tennessee, you've got Lawrence Victor of Washington State, you've got Miles Price of Texas Tech, Jeremiah Hunter of Cal, and then Daniel Jackson of Minnesota. So all these guys are guys that I would be willing to play as one-offs. They're also like the most obvious stacking partner for their quarterback, Um, but they're all in play there at the 5K range. To me, if you're looking to build a cash game lineup, you can really fill it with paying up at running back and filling it with a lot of these 5k wide receivers daniel jackson is an interesting one to me because you don't think of minnesota as being a very prolific passing team but when they do pass they pass to him he's got a very large target share and he scored a touchdown in four of his or five of his last six games so i definitely think he would be a very under the radar intriguing play um, as a one-off wide receiver now there are two final situations to talk about two teams that we got to mention um, that with what they're doing with their receivers, like Merritt's mentioning on here. First is Oklahoma State. So Oklahoma State, Brennan Presley is their wide receiver one. He's been their best wide receiver all season. He doesn't always lead them in fantasy scoring, but he's usually gonna lead them in targets and he's usually gonna be the guy that they look to get the ball to, right? Um, but after that, Rashad Owens has really come on strong lately. Rashad Owens has been like really good. He has 28 targets combined in his last two games whereas Brandon Presley only has 14. Now, granted, Brandon Presley's caught a higher percentage of his targets, and Brandon Presley's also got in the end zone, whereas Rashad Owens has not. But with Rashad Owens, with this amount of target volume and only 5,100 hours, he is a guy you can put into your lineups. And I don't mind playing one of the Oklahoma State wide receivers with Ollie Gordon, because you could look at a situation here where if Oklahoma State scores five touchdowns this week and three of them are Gordon and two of them are from the same receiver, then you're going to end up really ending up with a lot of value from those two guys. So um, Rashad Owens, due for a touchdown, been the team leader in targets the last two weeks, but the guy that's really the most interesting to me is Leon Johnson. He's been playing because of Jaden Bray's injury, and he's had 18 targets combined in the last two games. That is a lot for a guy that is only $4,900 on DraftKings, um, and he's hit four times. Or he's hit, um, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. In the last two games, two of Oklahoma State's three receivers have hit four times value. So you're looking at a situation where you can play two of these guys together. Even if you're not playing Alan Bowman, these guys can hit value together. The one thing I do want to make sure of though is I want to make sure that Jaden Bray is out because I definitely think if he is back, he would throw a wrench into things with how these target shares are being allocated. Um, but if Jaden Bray continues to be out, Presley, Owens, and Johnson are all guys that are going to make my lineups this week. Now, the other team we got to talk about is Georgia Tech. So um, they've been... Super inconsistent at wide receiver this year, but they're starting to get a little bit more consistency. Malik Rutherford is the guy who is the most consistent target earner. He leads the team in targets. He operates out of the slot. He is a guy that is not going to get a whole lot of deep targets, however, though. The guy that probably has the highest ceiling, and he's still very affordable on DraftKings, is Eric Singleton Jr. at only $4,700. He's a freshman. He is up and coming, and he's really found a connection with Haynes King. He's been over 18 fantasy points in three of his last four games. He's starting to be a consistent producer week in, week out, and he's the guy that gets the deep targets. So he's the guy that probably um, is a little bit more boomer bust than Rutherford, but he's the, actually the guy I would rather play because I think he has a significantly higher ceiling. Clemson is not a great matchup for the passing game, but this team's going to have a lot of passing volume. And so when there's a lot of volume, there's a lot of chance for fantasy points. All right. That does it for the wide receiver section. Um, and that does it for this week 11 preview. Hopefully it was able to give you guys some good information on the best guys to put in your DFS lineups this week. Hopefully going to help you guys win some money this week. Again, if you want more from me, you can follow me on X, you can join the fancy corner discord, and you can also read the articles on the Patreon. Um, all those are in the description on YouTube and on the audio feed as well. All right. So If you like what you saw, please hit the like button. It really helps me out a lot, and I really do appreciate it. And if you hit that subscribe button, you'll be notified when new episodes drop. You can subscribe to the audio feed and to the YouTube channel because some episodes are going to be audio only. Um, But you're going to get those notifications for all the new episodes for golf, college football, NFL, and college basketball. Now, it's a really great time of year. We're going to be having a lot of content here for you guys. So make sure you're subscribed so you get those notifications. All right. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Best of luck to you this week and I will see you next time.